Does your identity as a Christian drive all of your behavior? Does your identity as a Christian drive everything that you do, every way that you interact with other people, every decision that you make, your whole life? Does it drive what you do? This question is implied in the text that we read today by the whole letter that Paul has written so far. He's written in chapter 2 that we should not forget that we are Gentiles by birth. We were born, he says, separate from Christ. We were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of God, and without hope in the world. He spends a whole paragraph reminding us who we were in chapter 2. We cannot forget, he says, that there was a time where we were very far from the Lord. There was a time that we did not know who God is. There was a time that we did not know the promises that God had made to His people, that we had no hope for anything beyond the pleasures of this life. That is who we were. That is who we were born as, he says. Gentiles by birth. And then as he continues, he says, but, but now, now you have been brought near to Jesus who is gathering all things up in Himself. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your work. It is Christ doing on your behalf a gift from God to you. And because of that, you should be about the business of doing the good works which Christ has prepared for you beforehand. Before even the foundations of the world. That's who you are. Paul has already told us who we are. We've been given a new birth by the Spirit, through Jesus Christ, the Spirit that has marked us as God's own and is the down payment for the inheritance that we're waiting for. That's who you are. And now as Paul shifts into the second half of the letter where he's giving more exhortations, he says, who you are now is not who you used to be. And who you are now should not look like who you used to be. We talked a little bit in, in Sunday school this morning um, about how the church is sometimes seen as a place of, of judgment, of hostility. And that, that can look like two different things. One is that people assume that people in the church really do have it all together. We know they're mistaken, right? But they think we actually do. And they think we sit in a place of, of holiness and righteousness and judge those who are not in the church. Right? Others see through the veil of our, our holiness and righteousness and they say, well, they judge me, but they're just as guilty of sin as I am. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with them. Right? Y'all have heard this from somebody in your life about the church. Maybe even there's been a time where you've said it yourself about the church. And here Paul does say some things about those who are outside the church that sounds a bit judgmental. But I think 
Paul would want them to focus on the first part. That Christ is making available to everyone His grace of transformation. That God is softening their hearts by the Holy Spirit. That God can give them new birth. But as he begins to speak to those who are inside the church, he says there's a different standard that you're called to. That your lives should look different than the lives of your neighbors. Not because you're particularly good. Any good that you do is rooted in the work that Christ has already done for you. But in Christ, if you've received new birth, if you've become a new creation by the work of Jesus, something should be different. There is a disjunctive identity that you have now that you did not have before. There's a difference about who you are than who you used to be before you were in Christ. And you need to remember who you were in Christ so that you don't forget the power of God at work in you and that that power is available to absolutely anyone. But don't let that reality that God's power has done mighty things for you give you permission to fall back into all of the things that you used to be about. Because God has given you a new family God has given you a new nation. God has made you a part of His holy temple. You are a part of something else now. And you should not look like what you used to look like or the community that used to set the standards for your behavior. Not so that you can be prideful or judgmental about your righteousness, but so that you can see that other people are not the standard at all. Jesus is the standard. The standard that I haven't met yet. I don't know about you. So you shouldn't look like the Gentiles, even though you are Gentiles, Paul says, because they are strangers to God. And what he says about them uh, demands a little bit of our attention today. He says they're darkened in their understanding They are alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and because of their hardness of heart. Their minds are not clear, he says. They're not thinking clearly. They're not seeing the world clearly because they don't understand the things that you understand about who God is. Because their hearts are hard like Pharaoh's heart was hard that closed him off to the redemptive work of God. Y'all remember the story, right? Over and over and over again, Moses comes and says, the Lord of the universe says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, okay. And then he changes his mind. Over and over and over again, he hardens his heart to the Lord. And sometimes the Lord hardens his heart, hardens Pharaoh's heart towards the Lord as well. This is their state. They are closed off to the work of God in their lives. And their their sinfulness, their, their pursuit of the wrong things has left them insensitive to the work of God in the world. They're, they're not able to notice what God is up to. If you asked them, what, where have you seen the light of Christ in the world? They'd say, we haven't. Because they're not paying attention to those details. 
Instead of paying attention to the work of God in the world, they're pursuing all of the pleasures that they prefer. All of the short-term things that make them feel good or powerful or that taste good or whatever it is that their body or mind desires, that's what they're seeking. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity, Paul says. And Paul would not be as surprised as we like to think about all of the things that our culture has found to do for pleasure. He says that that's who the Gentiles are. They're not aware of the work of God in the world. Their hearts are hard to God's love. And they are insensitive to what God is up to. But that's not what you learned in Jesus. Surely, you've heard about Him. Surely, you were taught about Him. And we know that Paul knows they have been taught these things. He's already acknowledged that he's heard of their faith. This is, this is a rhetorical statement. Surely you know. This is like when uh, you ask your own kids that you've raised and you know what house they lived in. Were you raised in a barn? You know they weren't raised in a barn, right? Surely you are told that this is not what a Christian life looks like. My notes are just flying off over here. <clears throat> Surely you were not raised in a barn. Surely those who taught you the Gospel also taught you the expectations of what it looks like to live as a Christian. And this is not what it is. Licentiousness, pursuing a life of pleasure, is not what God has made you for in Christ. No, He's made you for something else. Surely you've heard about this, that you should put away your old self, your old way of life that was corrupt, that was led astray by all of its wayward desires. And that instead you should be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And clothe yourselves with the new self that Christ has made for you, creating according to the likeness of God in true righteousness and in true holiness. Now, next week, Paul's going to get into even more of the details of, of what this looks like, living a life of holiness and righteousness. But for right now, I want to point out to you that here Paul is, is saying things that should resonate with you from others of Paul's letters. He's He's saying things that remind us of Colossians, that we should clothe ourselves in a new way. He's saying things that should remind us of Romans, um, that, that, uh, that our spirits are renewed in our minds. Right? And as that happens, our lives start to look differently. Our lives start to look like righteousness, and they start to look like holiness. Righteousness means that that we are upright, that we are in keeping with the law, that we are not bent over by our sin, that we have not transgressed the ways that God has called us not to live, that we are beyond reproach according to the law. Righteousness is a word that relates to how we follow the rules. And holiness pushes us even further. Holiness is a word that means fundamentally set apart separate from the ordinary things of the world. And it's a word that is defined entirely by the character of God. 
Because God is the one who is set apart from the rest of the world. God is not like the world that He has made. He is different. And because of that, He deserves worship and honor and glory and praise. The amazing thing about humanity is that God has made human beings in God's likeness. He's made us, though we are created beings, with the capacity for holiness. With the capacity to begin to look like God. Don't look like all of the world out there, he says. Don't be characterized like them. Don't be bound up in your desires such that those things are more important than your pursuit of God. There are all kinds of ways that this happens for us, right? All kinds of ways that we desire the things that the world desires and not the Lord Himself. Paul says, don't, don't be that way. Your lives should look different. And so I wonder today, I wonder today if you know that your life is different than the rest of the world. And if you don't know that, I wonder if you really know who you are. Because that's where we started, right? That does your identity drive your behavior? In Christ, you have already been included by His grace. In Christ, God has made space for you in relationship with Him. In Christ, God has given you new life. In Christ, God has given you a new family, a new nation, a new identity, made you a part of a new temple that can exist for the praise and glory of God's name. If your behavior is pursuing other things, and you're falling back into that identity that you had before. But, if you remember who you are, you will find a way to live into the good works which Christ has prepared for you. You might have been born as Gentiles, but that's not who you are anymore. You are made different by the power and the work of Jesus. You can be, you should be, you are righteous and holy by the work of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, you know our hearts. Your Spirit convicts us for our sinfulness. You have made space for us to live differently. And we have not always done that. Instead, we've let our, our desires drive us to things that are not holy. We have let the judgment of others compel us to do things that lead us back into our old way of being. We have not always been who You have called us to be. And so we ask, O oh Lord, that You would shore us up by the power of Your grace such that we could stand on the sure foundation of Your Word so that our lives could be built on the solid rock of Your Gospel and not on the sand that the world has to offer. We pray, O oh Lord, that any unrighteousness 
any unholiness that continues and persists in our lives. That You do Your work to pull away the guilt and the shame. You would make us new. You would help us to lean in to Your community of faith and into Your grace so that when we stand before You, we could do so with confidence in the righteousness and holiness that You have wrought in our lives. Pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.